Welcome to the Jesus Collective Podcast. We're a network that amplifies, equips, and unites with Jesus at the center. We exist for all those seeking to ask what it means to follow Jesus in these rapidly changing and complex times. Join us as we discover where Jesus is at work around us as we engage in meaningful conversations with diverse voices from around the globe. If you're new to the Jesus Collective, welcome. We're a relational network and we'd love to get to know you. So please dive in and don't be a stranger. You can check us out on social media and on our website, jesuscollective.com. Okay, let's get into today's podcast. And, and I'd, like, I'd like to kick the conversation off, Danielle, with just your sense of the, the landscape. Um, what's happening? <laughs> like, like, what's your sense of what, as you read the broad scope of the, at least the North American church and maybe beyond, what's happening with all these revelations of unhealthy systems of power, of leaders who have been um, hiding things and unhealthy and their abuse of power. What do, you th- what do you make of like all of these revelations happening in short, essentially short period of time? What's going on from your perspective? Yeah, I, I think God is exposing um, a cancer uh, at the heart of our systems and structures of institutionalized church in order to... Um, heal us, treat us, liberate us um, from the things that have made us look a lot more like the world than like Jesus. Amen. Amen. Can I just high-five you right there? She wants a high-five. <laughs> yeah, it's true. So, um, I mean, what else is happening but a grand exposure? Like, what else? Um, and it's everywhere, you know, lest we think too highly of ourselves. That's right. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. I mean, even just, uh, I think last week, you know, in the United Church and the World Council of Church, I mean, just it's everywhere. And it's like there is at the heart, you know, as much as we can rearrange the furniture on a Titanic, <laughs> um, we have to look at the, that big iceberg underneath the water that this thing has hit. Um, you know, I mean, we just we just have to own it. And I think we don't want to own it. And God's like, here, let me help you. So. It strikes me that we've been, certainly in the UK, I've heard so much conversation over the last few years of praying for revival. God's going to do a new thing. God's going to come and sweep yeah. through. And we've been praying for this. I guess maybe in North America too, there's been this sense for a little while. But I, I just... I think this is part of the revival. You don't get revival without disruption and without exposure and without dealing with the stuff within. I think we fall into the trap for a long time now of thinking that we want to be spectators of revival that affirms us and tells us we're right all the time. Mm-hmm. But, but God wants us to be participants of revival. And revival means transformation in us and through us. Like that's, it start, all, revival always starts with us. And I think, I, think this is what, I think this is some of what we're seeing. We prayed for this. Like we called we this in, this. Like, and I think we. I think this is what we're. This is what we're seeing now. But we. But we need, as Danielle, we need to own this. Where's this in me? They. It's yes. It's there's big cases. There's obvious. There's obvious examples of this. But where's this? Where's this in me? Where's this in my church? Where's this in my community? Where's this going on? 
Like, mm. what's God revealing? Mm. Yeah, I, I think I, can you guys still hear me? Yeah, okay, we've got you. Um, I almost did a rap just to check, but <laughs> we hold that for later. We can pause it. You could go <laughs> ahead. Like, seriously, we're not in a hurry. I literally know the words to Rapper's Delight. I just aged myself. <laughs> I said a hit. Never mind. Stop. Um, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like uh, it's the beginning of the end when we make an idol of the power that God has entrusted us with. Uh, I feel like men crumble, men generically, generically, men and women. Mostly generically. <laughs> uh, two minutes in, and here we are. I was like, we're going to stir it up. Um, I just feel like we, it's the beginning of the end when, when, we, uh, when what was entrusted to us, uh, we now tightly fist and bring to our chest as our own rather than open-handed. And open-handedness, when it comes to this position, is transparency, mm-hmm. is humility, is conviction, is a, a renewal, God, if there is anything in me, would you? Uh, it's that posture. But when we think we are above or uh, outside of um, correction, mm-hmm. um, accountability. It's, it's the beginning of the end. So this reminds me of a podcast I did with Daryl Johnson from Regent College. He's great. And I asked him, you know, what, what are the scripture, you know, if you ever have a chance to listen to him speak, it's amazing because he's like a child. It's like, he's just like wide-eyed with wonder about Jesus. And he's like a prof of a prof. You know what I mean? Like, it's so beautiful. And I asked him, you know, what are the things about Jesus that are just like rocking your world right now? Like, tell me all the things that you've learned, the things that have been mind-blowing about what you've learned about Jesus. And one of the things he said was in the Philippians passage that we often use about the kenosis, the emptying of Christ. He said, I read that my whole life. Although Jesus was God, he did not consider uh, equality with God, something to be grasped, but he let it go. You know, it's a great kenosis. He said, I've read that my whole life and I've seen it as this struggle. Although Jesus was God, you know, so there's this like, although he was God and he had all this stuff, he just did not, he just was like chose to like lay it down. And then he said, then I actually studied it in its original language and it actually says, because Jesus was God. And he said that because Jesus was God, which is why that act of surrendering power is yeah. so profoundly divine right. because it's an indicator that this is God at work. Because Jesus was God, he did not consider equality with God. So there was no cosmic struggle in God to surrender power. He has unlimited power. <laughs> like He's not like concerned. So it's this tapping into this, this because Jesus was God. Because I'm a Jesus follower, Boom, there it is. You can have it. Yeah. Because I follow Jesus, because I'm tapped into the, the Holy Spirit here. Like, uh, and, and that, the competing images of uh, Samson, you know, his whole life, this uh, prototype of this, you know, horrific uh, conquering leader, right? Just like who just wanted like, you know, he's the Herc, if ever there's a Hercules of the Bible, it's that, it's the Hercules of the Bible, it's, it's Samson. And he's provoking things and he's disrupting things and he's trying to like advance and stand up for people, but he's doing it in this uh, powerful way. And then at the very end of his life, there's this one phrase where he like literally is compromised, he's blinded, he's captured by the enemy and he prays this last prayer and his prayer is um, this time not about him. Mm. This is just this time not about him and he is willing then to give himself away 
in this one final act of surrender. And the scripture says this, and I can never get this out of my mind, but in that one act, he took out more of the enemy than in all of his previous acts put together. And in my heart and mind and spirit, I pray for the church to do the final act, to what, surrender. What is that? To let it go, to stop to let, making it about itself. So that's the thing, to let it go? To surrender, to give themselves over to what God wants to do in this moment. So, and I think a lot of this exposing, a lot of this like panic, a lot of this like blinded, compromised, mocked by the enemy. Mm. Is there a better description of how the church feels right now? Right? And then that tendency is like, we better regroup, we better regroup, we better like, you know, like there's gotta be something we go like, cue the lawyers or whatever it is. And there's gotta be this way to like, uh, us to be strong again, us to be confident again, like us to stand up again, like us, it's this impulse of us to just be like, we've gotta pull ourselves together, everybody, you know? And that yeah. Samson to give himself up to say, actually, if this means the end of me, if that's what's necessary, then let that be what happens here. Because more of the enemy will be taken out in the strategy of God than in our own uh, strength, our own histories, our own legacies, what it is that we're desiring God to do again. He has something new for us to do. Yeah. yeah. And I think um, one of the senses we've had, we've been a really interesting, I've been a really interesting point in my journey. And um, so I hit, you know, every measure you would look for in a church through COVID, we did great. We grew, our finances went up, our giving went up, our engagement in the community went up. Every measure you could, the world would ever put on a church of like, what a successful church look like through COVID, we aced it. And I got to December and I had nothing. And I came to December, I had a leaders weekend away and I was just like, the picture that I have from God is I've pushed uphill and I've pushed uphill and I've pushed uphill and we've got here. And I've come into the clearing and I'm on my knees and God's like, just kneel and I'll take it from here. And I had to stop. And I'm still learning to stop. I did stop, as John knows, stopped for three months, but now I'm learning, I'm not going back to pick it all up again. I'm going back to have a different posture. And I think that the question of what is the posture as any church leader, uh, the question that I think we should be asking ourselves at regular intervals, what is the posture that the spirit is calling me to hold at the moment, in this moment, in this context? What is it? What is the posture that God's called me to? Not what does great leadership look like? How do I look stronger or better or smarter or more successful or whatever that? What's the posture that the Spirit is telling me to hold and leading and, and therefore will teach me to hold? Uh, I don't have much to say except uh, the education is yours. The studying was yours. The training was yours. The degrees are yours. The sacred position to shepherd is not yours. It's God's. And the position needs, the heart posture needs to be stewardship, not ownership. And it changes how we live when uh, we remember that. Yeah. So help us um, move forward. Like, you're talking to a room of people who are heavily invested practitioners, leaders, stewarding, and we hear 
things like the Samson analogy, which is true, or on your knees and coming back with a different posture. But as, as we move forward in this moment where there's so much anxiety and so much electricity and so, many, so much polarization around power in the conversation, we need guidance. Like practically, how do we do this? How do we move forward and take steps? If I'm sitting there as a pastor and I'm hearing this and my heart's saying, yes, yes, yes. I go home on Saturday and I have to, I'm leading my congregation. Where do I start? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I have a few ideas um, and I think we're figuring this out as we go, right? Because I think we're discovering, hopefully, I pray <laughs> we're discovering what we're doing wrong. <laughs> yeah, uh, which is helpful. We're getting that part. Yeah, which is helpful. Yeah. Like it is something, right? Because unless yeah. you discover what you're doing wrong, you're never going to be able to correct it. So it is something. So for those of you who are like, ah, incrementally, it's okay. yes, we you're are moving making forward. forward. This is the beginning. Yeah. Yes. Um, but I would say, like, uh, there's there's a few things. One is who are you centering? That's a question for me that's helpful a lot. Like, who's at the center? Um, so that's one conversation about power that can be just be like an easily, uh, an easy marker for your own, you know, preach even, or for your own posture or for your own church. Like who, who's at the center? Who are you centering here? And that's like an important thing. What does to, that mean? Like, like who are you aiming for? Who are you protecting? Who is, uh, the, the most important person in the room? Who are you prioritizing? Who are you centering? So this is a fascinating thing because we're here to center Jesus in our ministry, but who did Jesus center in his? So this is, I mean, this is a lifelong work. This is a lifelong work in all of us, but who did Jesus center? So if you're going to center Jesus, be prepared to center the people Jesus centered. And I think Cheryl just said all that so well in her preach. But so like, that's just a helpful question to me, like just to, because oh, I think it's preach. so Thank easy, you. like all of that power all of that like knee-jerk reaction, like all the things, as greater as Jesus's power is, is as different as Jesus's power is. Hold on. Jesus's Brain power twister. is greater than yeah. and as different from okay. than any other power. So this is one of the problems is we're so familiar with how power works that we forget, we just Jesify it, but we forget that Jesus's power is greater than and as different from. We get the greater than part. We don't get the different from. Right, so I think some of those questions like, who are you centering? And then the other thing that I, I would just say, that fear, it, you know, who, what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? Is, a, is a, a helpful measure of like, just exposing like that power that holds, that power that takes, that power that protects the right. establishment, that's all fear-based power. That's how the world works. It's scarcity, it's not enough. It's, you know, God's power is not limited. It's unlimited, which is why he's not afraid to give it away. When you have a limited view of power, it's a fear-based scarcity model. So what are you afraid of? Because, um, and what are you afraid of losing? I think those questions might be helpful questions to actually, you know, start going, oh, it's a different from power. Like there's a different, and if you're going to lay it down, those are all some of those lay it down. Um, and then I, I think we were talking uh, beforehand, but I think identifying the power you have is half the battle. And Cheryl, you said this in your preach again. So preach. I, I just feel like. <laughs> Not share. Just listen to, keep listening to her. Sharing. But um, just rewind that preach and listen to it again. Because I feel like, 
you know, we're as so, so I was saying we do this power exercise where we use a Canadian refugee power wheel and you fill in, you know, it has all these uh, center of power being like white male in most of our societies. And you fill in, you color in your power. And I was doing this exercise in the States with a bunch of youth workers with the Orange Conference and they were filling in their wheels. Um, and this guy in the front, he's probably like 35 white Southern States guy, and he was just weeping as he was filling in this wheel. And I, I, I was saying to him, like, what's going on with you? Like, I don't know why you're weeping because your center is full of power. <laughs> like, I'm like, you, and he goes, I, I have all the power. And I'm like, right. And he's like, but, I, but it's like, if I have all the power, then people, other, don't people have power? And, you know, it was this whole, like, he was so ashamed and guilt-ridden for having power. And I was like, having power is not a sin. It's how you use it that's the problem. What's this power for is the question that you need to ask. Not like, should I have it? Shouldn't I have it? That's a whole, that's a conversation we'll never get out of. But that co the conversation of identifying your power and then asking yourself, what do I do with this? How do I use this? Who is this power actually for? That's the conversation that might be able to shift mm, some things. Yeah, and I think it's like... It's good. As a white male. You're really? White? <laughs> Some oh. humor. <laughs> I've not even been out in the thank sun. You. I don't thank even... you for share, like, telling us. Yeah, That's... well, I just think it's, it's actually hard sometimes to recognize that there's, there is a journey for us to go on. Like, you know, like we, this is, when you're, like, when you're born into the system, this is normal. So to, to wake up to the reality that this isn't everyone's normal is a journey. And it's not a one moment thing. This is a thing that I think you're constantly, or we should constantly be exploring in ourselves. Where, why do I react that way? What, what's going on here? Where, where is my privilege? Where is my power? And therefore, what am I doing with that? And, and who are the people as, um, there's a book, um, which I was trying to remember before I remember now, it's The Cross and the Lynching Tree. And it uses this phrase about the, the people who grew up with their backs against the wall. And that phrase had such an impact on me because it, it removed the whole conversation from, oh, well, this is just about minorities, or this is just about, I was going, I can think of all sorts of people who grew up with their backs against the wall. And it never occurred to me that that was such a disadvantage. And then, and you, and you go on this journey of, so then what does it look like for me to disperse power, which is the Jesus model? What does it look like for me to, um, to, to give this away? What does it look like for me to not be the guy? They, it's hard work. I think even if, if, if you're, if you're a pastor, even if you don't want to be the guy, everyone else wants you to be. Mm. They say, like, even if I'm going, no, it's not about me. They're going, yeah, good, but it is. Like, we need, <laughs> we need you to be that guy for us. Like, they, they want to project all their stuff about what everything's about onto you. And you have to work really hard to create systems that mean you're not the guy. Like you, have to, you have to create team and you have to teach a culture where people can disagree well and people feel empowered to disagree with you and they're not going to be 
shamed or the only voice in the room. People are going to back them up and like, I'm not going to bite their heads off and tell them, well, that's the last time you share anything or that's the, you have to create a culture and that takes time and repeated messaging and investing and, and working it through and, and a lot of work on you, like a lot of work on me of like how, you know, because sometimes I'm going, well, I'm doing this because I said to them, disagree with me. Like, I've done it, right? I've dispersed my power. I've like, and they're going, well, there's no way you believe that, right? Like, there's like, you've got to go, you've got to say it a hundred times and you've got to model it and you've got to, you've got to live it out. Like, you've got to, you've got to go so much further. And just doing the equal thing, oh, well, you know, we're going to make sure we have, you know, as many women teachers as we have male teachers. But that's not, that's not equality. I remember Ange in a conversation that we had um, a little while ago, and she said, you know, it takes five women. I've, I've noticed it takes five um, female voices in a room to equal one male voice. And it had such an impact on me. I was going, well, I thought we were doing well because we were kind of 50-50, yeah. and I'm miles away. I was so far short. Like, so how do I correct that? Another thing that came up for me was the... Um, so I, I came to this realisation during the online learning course, and I was like, oh, man, we are... We are, a, we are an ethnically diverse church, but we're not a culturally diverse church. We have different, we have diversity of the people in the room from different contexts, but they're all existing in a white culture. So we're asking them to worship our way, sing our songs, like do in our language, like, oh man, we're miles away. And, but then the other thing I'd say is, have those moments of realization and then be prepared to play the long game of correction. Don't do the knee-jerk tokenism. Don't yeah. do the, like, do the long work of correction. Allow it to take time, but set yourself in a direction. And I think that's the anxiety of our age is, and the, the way we've been shaped by social media is respond now. Fix it now. When some of these are longer, longer term. But I'm curious, you said something, Danielle, about institutions and the fear, uh, the, the, the centering and the protectioning, protecting something. And they're, they're protecting good things mm -hmm. like jobs. Yeah. And they're protecting people's livelihoods. And they're protecting uh, like a sense of this is, my, this is my church or these are my people or this is my community. Mm -hmm. So like... Oh, how do we, how do we speak into that in a way to to the fear, right? How do we get to the fear because there's the the mind of the leader is like, yeah, but, and then there's all these other things that are sitting there that feel so good to protect. Yeah, I mean, I had this fascinating conversation with David Ruiz as the uh, denominational lead of the Vineyard Movement, and he had to go into Winnipeg and sort of sort out some things that had happened there that were high profile, negative things with the pastor and abuse. And he said, you know, like all these other denominational leaders sort of contacted him to say like, here's a lawyer, you know, here's a rep, like here's a, you know, all these things. And he's like, it was well, like these are things we've learned how to deal with to kind of like keep ourselves together. And he had this just moment with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit said like, you have tools for this. You have the tools for this. And they're not from the lawyer, and they're not from the PR firm, and they're not from the 
branding exercise. Yeah. They're not from this world. They're from the spirit. You have yeah. tools, and it's called confession mm-hmm. and repentance yeah. and anything you can do to make this right. So he said he had this interview. He went in, and he just was like, I refuse. So he's contacted me because I think he feels really called to write a letter to church leaders across Canada because he's like, in the season, God is speaking to us, asking us to do things a different way. Mm. And we don't know how to do it. He said, I have never been more afraid of my life Mm. than in the moment that I talked to CBC about what went down in Winnipeg with this pastor. He said, I talked to this reporter and he had just been on the Catholic circuit. So he had just been like literally shut down, shut down, shut down, like no comment, no comment, no comment. And he talked to uh, David and he said, what, what's happened in Winnipeg? And David just was like, it's horrific what's happened. Like I've been crying all day. Like Hi. I've met with every victim. I am beside myself with grief. Like yeah. I don't even know if this church can continue. Mm-hmm. Like I'm... I am, you know, I'm so sorry that this has happened. This is what's happened. There's all this brokenness. It's called sin. And we're not going to be okay, like, until we are healed by some other kind of power because we don't even know what to do. Wow. And the CBC reporter was like, I'm sorry, do you have permission to share all this? (laughs) (laughs) Like, is this on the record? Yeah. Is this on the record? And David's like, yeah, write it all. Everything you need. What do you need to know? I'll tell you everything. And he goes, is this going to be okay with your church? (laughs) And he goes, if this isn't okay, then I don't want to be part of this church. And he he called me. He's weeping on the phone. Like, he's just like, we have the tools. Yeah. We know what's required of us. Yeah. (laughs) We just aren't using them. Yeah. Because we don't believe God. And he literally said, the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, do you trust me with the future of the vineyard in Canada? And And he said, in the end, the decision I had to make in that moment was whether or not, not was this the right thing to do? Was it the smart thing to do? Was it the clever thing to do? Was this going to be okay for the future? Is this going to be like, what I had to decide in that moment was whether or not I trusted God. Yeah, that's good. And that's what I mean about surrender. Yeah. That's what I mean, even if it's to lay down this version of the church. So I can't get out of Acts 27 because it's when Paul's in a ship with a whole bunch of people on his way and he can't get there. He's in a storm and he's in a storm and the ship's battered and they're trying to hold the ship together. And finally, Paul gets a prophetic word from an angel delivered by God that says, you know, the people are going to be fine, but the ship's not going to make it, (laughs) which I don't know if that could define this moment for the church more, is the people are all going to be fine. God has his mind on the people. He loves them more than we do. But the ship, it's not coming. (laughs) (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Yes. We need to sit in that. Yeah, we need to sit in that. Yeah. Paul literally gets washed up on the shore, by the way, uh, with nothing. He arrives with nothing, and he's in a boat full of his enemies, actually. Awkward. He gets to the shore and literally like, I'm thinking he's on this, he's not even where he wants to be. He's like nowhere, which is where God always calls us. Right. He wanted to go to Caesar, by the way, the center of power. Yeah. And God takes him to Malta, to a place no one's ever been. That's always where God's headed. And he ends up on the shore with nothing. And I literally, I just heard the spirit say to me, Jesus sent his disciples out and yeah. with these instructions. Don't take anything with you. Yeah. 
not even an extra tunic, not even an extra, don't take anything with you. Freely you've received, freely give. And I think the church has a lot of things we're taking in the season that we're not willing to let go of. And, and I think there's this thing that God wants to do to liberate us from the thing we think is the only way to get to where we're going. Mm-hmm. Um, and how to do that, I mean. What, what do you hear when she says, the ship's not going, you're a pastor of a ship. Yeah. I think that um, the thing that's resonating for me here, the thing that's spinning in my head is some thoughts. I was having a conversation with one of my leaders um, just a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about power, because power is the thing I talk about quite a lot. And um, we talk about the point where after Jesus is resurrected and he says to his disciples, go to Galilee. We're like, why? And there's, there's something about, it seems to me that Jesus, we're, we're more open to what Jesus, we have a better chance of what Jesus is trying to talk to us about when we're away from the centers of power. But there's something in us that is always drawing us to the centers of power. Mm-hmm. And yet, Jesus, you know, I love that thing where you're washed up in Malta. Like, because, because God can, the Spirit can do something there that probably isn't possible in Rome. Like, the Spirit can do something in Galilee that probably isn't possible in Jerusalem. Like, there's something in us that. It's good for us when God is saying, the Spirit saying, Jesus is saying, go away from the center of power. Let's go in some space in the middle of nowhere and see what's left. I just wanted to finish that, because that, that, I think this circles back to it, but the conversation I had with David Ruiz, where he said, he finished that conversation with the CBC reporter, which, and he just said the CBC reporter was just like, didn't know what to say. <laughs> right. And then he said he was about to finish, and the producer of the show, who was listening to the conversation, came on and said, could you stick around, David? I'd like to talk to you. And he said the producer of the show basically asked him to pray for her. Never felt the kind of power. And I think that's the, the, like, we want a demonstration of power. (laughs) But we keep thinking it's going to come one way. And it always comes another. Right. And, uh, anyway. Because that's Jesus, right? He right. always, as we heard this morning, he always takes the other, like he always shows up in the other way, like always, always comes from the other path. And, and that's, what, that's what he does. And, and we are wired to find the formula. <laughs> Give me the formula. Tell me what the model of the church that works. What do we have to do to, to preserve everything we can? What's the formula to be great, to be good at what we do, or to be successful or whatever it is? But the formula puts us in control. Mm. Tell me what to believe. Tell me what to do. Mm. Like, puts me in control. Now God's contractually bound to save me. Mm. But, like, I'm in control. Like, but actually... Like the whole thing, we are, we are so wired to find ways to be in control. Mm. And it's how do we relinquish that mm. again and again and again. And it's habits that have to form in us. So I've been sitting here. Uh, I'm just, watching you. Yeah. 
been sitting here super quiet. Um, I'm just going to submit this humbly, but I, I see a vision, and then I hear the Spirit of God saying, right in this moment, we need to pray. I heard we need to thing. repent. That's just this act of like yeah. surrender and laying down. And the vision that the Lord showed me is the same vision that our family saw many years ago when we launched our ministry. It was, it's a massive tree with fruit, unidentified, I'll assume apple, just fruit, heavy, laden. And those that are in charge, given care of this, the caretakers of this uh, tree, do not want to pick the fruit, don't want to share, distribute, surrender. And the tree is breaking and the fruit is rottening, and the tree itself is suffering. And it's just rotten fruit everywhere. And then I see another same tree, but I see people who are overwhelmed, now humbly, openly, calling, inviting, welcoming people to enjoy, share in the fruit of this thing looking for ways, intentionally looking for people to distribute the fruit. And the more they give, the more fruit keeps growing on that tree. As opposed to holding on to it in scarcity and this thing rotting inside out. And I just hear the Spirit of God say the church is rotting. The church is rotting inside out. And there's just a call for those that would answer it right now. And I don't mean to no, I, I usurp this thing. moment, no, but I, I just... I heard Jesus say, right I now, believe Jesus say to me, we need to pray. That, we, that if you sense this call to repent, not only for your lack of stewardship, your lack of openness, your lack of uh, uh, your, your control, all of the things, but maybe even for churches in your country, in your neighborhood, could you just stand? We're just gonna, we're gonna just be obedient. Just have a moment with our hands outstretched, <laughs> with our heads bowed and our hearts open, God. We say, God, so simply, would you do a new thing yes. in us? Renew our minds. Give us once again the mind of Christ, a mind that is not distracted by power or position, that is not moved by fame, that is not fearful of losing power or control. Give us a heart that is open, humble, contrite, repentant, God. For anything and everything that we have done in the dark, we thank you that your grace, God, has covered us. You have not brought it into the light. So God, right now, we take advantage and we say, forgive us of our sins. Wash us clean with the blood of the lamb. Purge us with hyssop, God, that we may be clean. We want to be whiter than snow. For the ways that we've been haughty and prideful and stubborn and have claimed your lambs as our own. 
forgive us. We are only but stewards, God, of this thing. So, Father, we thank you, God, and we just lift up every single pastor in every single church across this nation. And we stand in their stead in intercession for them. Father, would you cleanse from one end of this nation to the other? Would you purify, God? Would you remove what is not like you? Father, we see that you are cleansing, you are clearing, you are exposing, you are judging. And God, we will not stand in the way of that. So we do say, God, humbly have thine own way. Do what needs to be done for the glory of your church, for the glory of your name. And Father, help us now, God, to live a new, other than, different from way. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to check out JesusCollective.com, where you can find more resources and upcoming events, learn about getting involved through partnership, and donate so that we can keep offering content like this and engage more people in churches around the world. We'd also love to hear from you, so feel free to reach out with your ideas and feedback. You can drop us a message on social media or email us at connect at JesusCollective.com. Until next time, here's to keeping Jesus at the center.